Sin does not just go away. It fades in your mind, but it's not gone. But there is a way to deal with that according to the Bible. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Embry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the whole Bible in one year. It's very exciting and very good. Now, Corey and Ryan help us with their reports. Corey, what's going on? All right. Well, we know where uh, the term Israel came from because God changed Jacob's name to Israel. But what about the term Hebrew? We're going to be looking into that today. Ryan? Today, I'm going to find out if Moses really made an error by calling a bat a bird. All right. Very good. That, that's a good question, actually. Very good. All right. Janice, what did you do? My segment is called A Work in Progress. All right, very good. So get your Bible guide out and get your Bible, the most important book of all. Let's begin this study. Let's look at the Bible and read from it to change our hearts. Let's go. Leviticus 13, verses 9 through 17. When the leprous sore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white, and it has turned the hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling, it is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. And if leprosy breaks out all over the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has the sore from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider. And indeed, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean who has the sore. It has all turned white. He is clean." But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean, it is leprosy. Or, if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest. And the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean who has the sore. He is clean. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 9 through 17. Leviticus chapter 12 to 14. This is great as we continue to read through the third book of the Bible. You know, there are many ways to describe the hurts and the blunders that our own actions can cause in our lives. Now, one of these ways is to compare them with the physical ailments. That's right. Now, the sin offering in the Old Testament gives us great examples of how sin works. There are phases to sin's infection in our life. You see, there are times when, when we are healed from past hurt and trouble. But there are other times when we must go through them and some things will get worse first before they get better. Now, this is highlighted in Leviticus chapter 13 when the sick or infected are brought to the priest. The priest is instructed on how to know 
what kind of skin issue the person has. Just like an infection, sin is a horrible thing. It spreads in our lives and in a way that it's contagious. It affects those around us, even if they aren't aware of the cause. Sin is absolutely horrible, let me tell you. Now, I am a sinner. I'm saved through faith by the grace of Jesus Christ. Praise God. And as I think that through, I need to understand that this is what the Old Testament talks about when we talk about raw flesh. In Leviticus chapter 13, 9 to 17. Now take your Bible guide and turn today to this passage. It's very good. Last day in January. And you can write for yours or you can go to, call us, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, you can click on the, the page. It'll take you to a place where you can download it just as it's printed. Okay. We are going to study this, so help us to pray. Let's join together. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us to see this and help us to understand that it changes us. We, we have to change our attitudes. We have to understand, Lord, so help us to do that. Your Bible teaches us this. Now, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we would listen to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. If if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, then we're going to be talking about this and you'll relate to it. If you are not, welcome. It's great to have you here. And uh, consider what we say. We'll give you an opportunity to become a Christian later. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 9 through 11. When the leprous sore on a person, somebody who has leprosy, then he shall be brought to the priest. The priest served as the, the, the medical person there. And the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white, and it has turned the hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling, it is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean, and he shall not, and, and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. Now, do you understand what he's saying? Sin against God's word will never go away on its own. We need Jesus Christ. He's the one who forgives us of our sin and makes us right. Confession of sin is important. And that is why we confess our sin to the Lord. Let me tell you something. That's my prayer every day. Father, forgive me for I've sinned. Even if I don't know where, help me to be right with you today. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not an over-exaggerated need of not taking forgiveness. That's just a reality of me understanding the sin nature. So let's keep that in our hearts and in our mind today. Now let's go back to verse 13 or chapter 13, verse 12. Here's what it says. And if leprosy breaks out all over the skin and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has the sore, from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider, and indeed, if the leprosy has covered all of his body, he shall pronounce him clean who has the sore. What's he doing? Well, this is part of the, the whole thing of sin. Go back to it here. It has all turned white. He is clean. And if leprosy breaks out all over the skin, 
And the leprosy covers all the skin. The one who has the sore from his head to his foot, whenever, he, whenever the priest looks at him, then the priest shall consider. And in, indeed, if the leprosy has covered all of his body, he shall pronounce him clean who has the sore. It has turned white. He is clean. That's fascinating. Sin is not healed immediately, beloved. See, we go through things, and as we go through them, we should listen to the Lord and pray. Even though we are forgiven instantly, God heals us over time. Remember that, because there are times when we have to, we were made aware of something, and we have to go back and say to people, forgive me, I talked behind your back, I shouldn't have done that, and I'm sorry. Or, I thought this of you, and I was wrong. I need your forgiveness. Very important. There's a difference between saying I'm sorry and being forgiven. Being forgiven requires their response. Saying I'm sorry is not requiring their response. So God says, ask for forgiveness. That's interesting. Now, let's go on to the next item, which says in verse 14, but when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. Isn't that interesting? When raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean. If it is leprosy, it is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. Did you understand that? What's going on here? Clean who has the sore. He is clean. Now, what am I trying to say? God de details to the priest how to judge the difference between active and inactive leprosy. God gives us insight to active versus inactive sin. This is a complex subject, and I don't have much time to finish this, but I need to explain to you. Sin is something that, you know, when I first started the church years ago, I thought, no problem, I know how to handle this. And I got a couple of months into the church and I realized I did not know that people could get themselves in this kind of trouble because it was so complex. You know, there were people that were five years dealing with the sins and the intimidations of everything that happened 20 years ago because our souls bear, like our bodies do, the cost of sin. God heals us and helps us, but we must learn that it's through time the Lord heals us, not instantly. Sometimes it is, praise God, and sometimes we heal slowly so that God can make sure if we don't trust the Lord, we won't heal at all. So beloved, when we come to God and say, Lord, I need to heal, help me to do this. He will take us through the process and we will heal, beloved. So remember that. Remember that the leprosy was the demonstration of how it can be complex. And so let's understand that God will heal us if we trust the Lord and if we do what he says as we go through it. And that's something we should pray for. Lord, help me today to go through the sin and the recovery of the sin that I need. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus Christ spoke to us and told us not to be afraid, not to be troubled by these times. This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of God's final reconciliation with the world. 
God is going to make things change in our lives, and this is very important. He has selected you and myself to live in this time, and I find that absolutely amazing. So like I said at the top of the show, it's pretty easy for us to understand where the term Israel came from uh, for the nation of Israel, because that was named after Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was renamed Israel by God. Uh, but what about the term Hebrew? We see it being used pretty early on of the patriarch Abraham. So let's just jump right in and see what we can learn about it. Today, when we say Hebrew, we are most often referring to the modern language spoken by those of Jewish descent and one of the official languages of the modern country of Israel. The Old Testament of the Bible was also written in the ancient version of the Hebrew language, although the Bible itself calls it Judean. The term Hebrew is used interchangeably with Israel or Israelite in the Bible to refer to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But its first usage comes from the time of Abraham himself in Genesis 14. The context for the designation was a time of war. Kings of cities were warring against one another and as a result, Lot, Abraham's nephew, had been captured. A survivor ran to tell Abraham the Hebrew, whose place of residence was then given. This is interesting because it's contrasted with the long list of kings who had just been named with their city's names. Abraham, who did not have a city, is called a Hebrew and then the place of his current residence was given. So what are we to make of the term Hebrew? It's not a place and has no immediate self-explanation. There are a few theories. The first involves the genealogies of Genesis 10. Eber was the descendant of Shem, son of Noah, and seems to have had a clan of people named after him. The root word of Hebrew and Eber is the same, perhaps suggesting that Abraham was a part of the wider descendants of Eber, even though there are no explicit connections made by the scriptures. Another theory connects to the meaning of the root word behind Hebrew and Eber. The word means to pass through, cross over, or travel. So this theory states that perhaps Abraham was called a Hebrew because he had left his home in greater Mesopotamia and traveled to Canaan. The last theory has the most connection with known history. It connects the term Hebrew with Habiru Aparu. The Habiru were a group of people that the Amarna letters record created chaos in Canaan during the biblical period of the conquest and judges. Various city kings in Canaan wrote to Pharaoh asking for military aid to overcome these Habiru. In Egyptian records, they're called Apiru. By far, the most popular term for the, the Jewish people in the scripture is Israelites or Israel. Uh, but Hebrew is still a legitimate way to refer to the nation. I mean, it pops back up in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Uh, so it's interesting to be able to look into its origins as well as we continue it, to study. It really is interesting. And, and you begin to understand when you study it like we've done. But, uh, you know, because Israel is the new nation that we have today, it's the first mm -hmm. time in the history of the church since A.D. 70 to 74 that we've shared the planet with Israel. Yeah, and it, it's a perfect name. It's a biblical name. It connects them with the land. It connects them with the patriarch. So it was a good choice, state of Israel. In fact, it's name. a biblical choice. Yeah. And so I really love that idea. And uh, I, I, I'm interested to see what Israel does. And uh, 
it's moving very effectively right now. Very, very interesting how it's going. But anyway, that's one of the reasons that I believe we're in the end of time, and that's what I believe, but is that Israel's here. So we're going to see what God does. That's going to be interesting. Okay, Ryan? Yeah, well, as many of you are aware, Moses, who's the author of the first five books of the Bible, has been repeatedly attacked by modern critics. And this is because they really seek to disprove that Moses was getting his information from God. Now, one of these attacks focuses on Leviticus chapter 11, where Moses, who is well-educated in Egyptian curriculum, seems to call a bat a bird. Well, let's explore this passage. Skeptics of the Bible accuse the scriptures of being littered with contradictions and errors and claim that it is really not the Word of God. Skepticism has risen so fast that it has actually become an epidemic in our modern culture. This is a result of thousands of years of Satan, who is called the father of lies in John 8.44, putting doubts in the minds of mankind. This deception can be traced back all the way to the Garden of Eden when Satan, while tempting Eve, questioned God's words. Did God really say? In a similar fashion, the father of lies has created doubt in many people's minds about the human authors of the Bible, and if God was really speaking through them. Moses, for example, who authored the first five books of the Bible, has been attacked many times. For example, some claim that there is an alleged error in Leviticus 11, 13-19. The passage reads, And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten, they are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the kite and the falcon after its kind, every raven after its kind, the ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull and the hawk after its kind, the little owl, the fisher owl, and the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, and the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron after its kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. The accusation here is that Moses wrongly calls a bat a bird. However, in examining the original Hebrew translation of this passage, we find that the Hebrew word that has been translated as bird is alf, which actually means fowl or winged creature, or to fly, or has a wing. This means that while the Hebrew word does include birds, it is not limited to it. In fact, it could include birds, bats, and even flying insects. This then is simply a mistranslation in the English Bible and is not an error in the original biblical manuscripts. So we see here that the English translators merely mistranslated and limited the Hebrew word used here to bird, but in actuality the Hebrew word means fowl or winged creature, or to fly or has a wing. So a better translation of this passage could be, quote, and these you shall regard as an abomination among the winged creatures. So this alleged error is just actually a translational issue, and there is no real error. I think it's important to remember that English is a, a translated version. You mm -hmm. know, the English Bible mm -hmm. yeah. was something that was not completed until the 1500s, and we really didn't have it until then. We need to pay attention to that. And the King James Version was, of course, translated into English. But when, when the translators came to the Bible, the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic, the originals, because originally they didn't have that, they had Latin. But when they came to that, and they said, well, let's put together 70 translators and let's translate it. That was the emergence of the NIV and that was the emergence of some of these modern translations. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's important to remember that when we read the Bible, we're not reading necessarily some of the 
more recent translations are. But we're not reading necessarily the perfect translation. To mm -hmm. read the perfect translation of the Bible, you have to go back and look at it uh, in the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic yeah. or the Babylonian. And to do that, you can get a Bible concordance. Um, but the other thing is, too, is you can just check uh, a bunch of the different Bible translations, the well-accepted Bible translations, mm -hmm. because uh, oftentimes you can kind of get more of the full picture because this Bible's translating it this way more literally. This one's translating it more thought for thought. And so I find that very, very helpful. Yeah, because there isn't always a perfect word to encapsulate the word in Hebrew that they're trying to translate into That's English. Right. So it's helpful to look at those different translations because they may each use a variant of that word. So yeah, when you put them all together, yeah. you're like, oh, here's the range, the the, the range of that Hebrew word. That's meaning, right. Yeah. The words there are some words that had to be concocted like loving kindness mm -hmm. that the Hebrew word, there was no translation for it, but it's loving in a way that brings out or motivates kindness. Mm -hmm. And how do you shorten that, you know, to one word? Well, loving kindness, you know, and that's the kind of thing that, uh, that they do. So very good. Thank you, Ryan. Excellent. What an amazing job that our translators oh. Just do even in this day and age where mm -hmm. they will go into a culture that doesn't even have anything, no written language. And so not only are you faced with having to get something to put on the paper, but to understand that culture yep. and to be able to put it in, in such a way. And, and what an amazing Wycliffe. work. Wycliffe, yes. I, mean, I have to say. Amazing. Wycliffe translators, yeah. amazing. People. What a work. What a they, work. Over, over 5,000 languages they translated. Yeah. I, I just, I'm stunned by that. Yeah. God has got his hand on them in a big way. Yeah, no, so, it's anyway. really amazing. Well, it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, my title, A Work in Progress. That certainly would be a work in progress when you are taking and, and trying to give a culture the word of God in their own language. What a, what a special, wonderful gift. But in reading through the instructions here, we're, you know, it, Leviticus is one of those books of the Bible that a lot of people find very challenging. Uh, there's a lot of passages that you're kind of reading and it's a little bit cringy if you have a, a weak stomach or a vivid imagination. And, and this, it, we're reading through the law concerning leprosy and um, the people being brought to the priest. These are not things that are going to help you medically. This is not medical advice. This was uh, from a spiritual level, from making the the um, Israelite community so, uh, something that was uh, not to infect them or not to make them become unclean. And that's what this was. It was the, the instructions that the people, the Israelites had to follow in order to be well and not to infect or make the community of Israel unclean. It took my mind into thinking that it is like the world of the church. By the world of the church, what I mean, those who truly follow the Lord Jesus Christ with their lives. We are the church. A church is not a building or a denomination. It is people who have truly given their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, who have committed themselves to follow him. There is a constant work that needs to be done within us when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, because none of us are perfect and none of us will be perfect until we are home in eternity with him in the future. But there's, there's that constant work of the Holy Spirit to follow the Lord with our lives, reading the word of God, reading the Bible, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we are going to 
learn from it. We're not going to take our ideas and put it into the Bible. We're going to ask God to help us by His Holy Spirit to be able to take the information and let it change us, which it does. I've experienced it myself and many, many others of you have as well. So we need to be in God's Word, apply it to our lives, allow God to help us with our thinking, with our actions, and with our reactions, because we are a work of God in progress, and we should make that our aim and our focus with God. And we need to not worry about others. I don't need to be worried about how Rod acts and how Rod reacts. I need to first of all, concentrate on me and my relationship with the Lord. And I can back that up because Matthew 7 verse 3 says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? I need to be concerned about the way I live, the way I present myself. Am I an ambassador of God? Am I the light that Jesus asks me to be? The only way I can do that is through his help and through his strength. And it reminded me as well when the Lord called us, Rod, um, many years ago to begin uh, a a work of a church here in Orangeville. And um, we met at Teen Ranch for a while. And then we had too many people. And we bought the old Uptown Theater, which is in the main section of Orangeville. And it was an old theater. And now it's called Good Friends Church at the Uptown. It's a great name, right in the middle of town, right on Broadway. And we went in and it was an old theater. And I'm telling you, we scraped off more Jolly Rancher candies and bubble gum off the seats and and things to get it ready um, to change it into a sanctuary. I was not there that day, but I know Corey was. I'm not sure if Ryan was, but you were there and you started working working on the walls and taking down some of the old black plaster on the walls and and it was all crumbling apart and you were kind of trying to make a decision on what to do with it and it was Corey I believe that you took a look at the walls and you said you know dad why don't we just keep them that way and we'll just seal them over because we really are a work in progress just like these walls it it was an uh, a real neat representation of the work of God in our lives. We are. When we give our lives to Christ, do we change overnight? Are we perfect people? Do we never sin again? No, we don't. We need the help of God in our lives. Um, We are a work of progress. And as we follow Him, as we pray, and as we stay in His Word, He changes us. This is the last time I'll say it in this month, but uh, the Signs of the Times is a collection of sermons that you can get by going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, or you can write for it or call for it, and we'll send it to you. Very, very important. Whatever the donation is, you can determine and God will help us and so on and so forth. But today, let's pray. And our prayer is, Lord, I need your healing for the sin I've caused and the sin that's caused me. 
So help me, Lord, to now hear your word. 